This podcast is recorded on the ancestral lands of the Tongva people. Welcome to the Create Well podcast, where we explore the intersections of creativity, wellness, and entrepreneurship. I'm Erica Elon, a hype woman for other people's art, constant wearer of athleisure, and a painter. You can find my work on IG at, at Erica Elon. I'm Ray Saragosa, musician, roller skater, money lover, (laughs) (laughs) Um, boogie boarder. Sometimes you can find my work on IG at at Ray Saragosa. This week, we'll be discussing money. Money, 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 money. They said if I want to make it, gotta starve and stress and sell. But if I'm gonna be an artist, well, I wanna create well. Yeah, you gotta create well. It's episode five. Yes, it five is. Five is such a great number. It is. It and feels official. It's brought us to a topic that I know when we were planning this podcast, mm-hmm. this was a really important and central piece of it, which makes me yeah. incredibly nervous. <laughs> I know. It's funny. I think this is one of those topics where I think it's very important. I also think it makes everyone very uncomfortable. Yep. And that's why it's important. Yep. And I feel like you're blushing right now. because you think I am. <laughs> it's also like 100 degrees, but like, oh my gosh, this is... It's an important topic. It's a very taboo topic. It carries a lot of weight. It carries a lot of trauma. It carries um, a lot of feelings of insecurity. Um, It's one of those things we just don't talk about, but we're always thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And it's definitive of our lives because of the world that we live in. We live in the United States of America, the capitalist business of the United States of America. And so to not acknowledge money and its existence is to not acknowledge something that we every, I mean, even on days that you don't spend money, you're spending money. Yep. You know, even on days where I just sit in my house, I am paying rent here. And so it's an important topic. And so today we're going to dive into money from a bunch of different angles. Mm -hmm. We've got, uh, the angle of inequity and how money is such a source of um, inequality in the distribution of money and is a source of inequality around Mm -hmm. the world. Um, But also we're going to talk about money in a, in a positive light and think about how we can use it to empower us and how we can realign our relationship with it um, to make us more successful artists and live more comfortably. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. And I think talking too about the hope that you and I both have is that communally we can shift the evil of a capitalist structure Mm -hmm. into something that's healing and that can involve money too right um so yeah right what was money like for you growing up money for me growing up you know so I grew up in New York City in a studio apartment Mm. uh, with five people about the size of the apartment I live in now which is so funny because I'm always complaining I'm like oh this place is so small and you know until I was 10 years old I lived in a place this small with my entire family Um, money was always a source of pain it was a source Mm. of argument Um, my parents (laughs) argued really intensely my Mm. whole childhood and there was nowhere to run because we had a studio apartment. So I heard every single bit of their arguments when I was a kid. Um, and my parents kind of had all, you know, different 
every year was very different money wise for my family because um, my dad was in and out of different jobs and he was an actor and, and he was not an actor and then he was doing law work and, and whatnot. So money was always this tumultuous thing. Hmm. And so to me growing up, money equaled pain. Hmm. Money equaled parents fighting. Money equaled my parents are going to get a divorce. Um, money equaled just bad, bad, bad. But then my parents also would say this mantra to us every day, money doesn't buy happiness. That was the thing <laughs> that we were told all the time. The money dissonance. doesn't buy happiness. Yeah. But so as a young kid, I was very confused. Yeah. Um, money doesn't buy happiness. And yet all you do is leverage money against each other and mm. say, I'm not going to be happy until you start making more money. Right. So like, that's really confusing for a young kid. Um, so that's how it was when I was really young. But how about you, Erica? Yeah. So I grew up with a great deal of privilege. And part of that was the fact that my family was just really stable financially. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like an excess of finances. If there was ever an excess, what was interesting about my parents is they are not necessarily like very financially like oriented money people mm -hmm. in like investing or whatever. Yeah. Any excess in money was to be given. And they demonstrated that over and over and mm. over to us, which was incredible. But what I see that it did for my understanding of how money worked, especially moving into the art world, was it hasn't like it hasn't shown me how to operate financially when there's not necessarily stability mm -hmm. and not you can't give before you have yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah. So that even especially like in my college years and then right after the tendency to just give and give and give mm. which they instilled in each of my siblings and yeah. I and not in like a whoa we give so much but like yeah. that was just the outcome of what money That's meant what you observed yeah um was really confusing when you know mm. I'm an artist and I'm yeah. working a minimum wage job and right trying to figure this right. out yeah. so it was a really I think I had a unique and again very privileged upbringing not have not experiencing the stress of money mm -hmm. um but also not necessarily learning um what to do when that type of privilege right. you know you're not in that space right yeah you know it's interesting with generosity I remember having this hang up growing up that um, being angry that I felt like my parents weren't very generous mm. and I, my parents are incredibly generous people. Yes. <laughs> Love you mom and dad. Um, and they've come, you know, they've, you know, they've been through a lot. My, yeah. you know, my mom is an, an immigrant. Uh, she moved here when she was very young. And so her family started from nothing. And then my dad, um, you know, is the son of a, uh, you know, my grandmother worked in the fields and yeah. my, my grandfather as well. And so I, it took a long time to really appreciate, and understand that, oh, wait, to be generous, you first have to have enough for you and your family. Mm. And I always was angry because I saw some of the other kids I around who, whose parents had a lot and they were always giving and giving and giving mm -hmm. and my parents gave in other ways but yeah. they first had to take care of their three kids mm -hmm. and they had to um, make sure that they could put food on the table and so um, 
it's so interesting how you do first have to take care of what's in front of you before you can give. And if you don't, if you just give and give and give, it's actually, um, it's not doing service to you or the people you're mm-hmm. giving to. And uh, so it's an interesting thing to think about in terms of generosity. And uh, sometimes we all get very, con- very overwhelmed by generosity. Um, and we actually give before um, we can, f- we can really take right. care of ourselves. Which is um, one of the things we talk about often is free work from artists mm-hmm. is a form of generosity. Yeah, <laughs> It's like yeah. a nice idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately it hurts not just us, mm-hmm. but it hurts the whole community as yeah. artists. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes generosity can be dangerous. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because when you're offering your free work, whether it's design or music mm-hmm. or whatever, um, all of a sudden you're bringing down the market value of Absolutely. that incredible work that you're doing. Absolutely. And so who's going to hire somebody to do design work for $600 mm-hmm. when somebody's cousin says, I'll just do it for free, <laughs> you know, Yeah. which is kind. It's so kind. It but, feels like a place um, of a good right. intention, but it devalues. Mm-hmm. So how have you Ray been, healing your relationship with money mm-hmm. and how have you gotten to the place because when I met you you're incredibly inspirational as far as knowing your worth mm-hmm. and as far as um demanding your worth from other people mm-hmm. and showing up with that trust in yourself yeah um which has been really healing for me to watch so Thanks. so what what has brought you there yeah um when did this all start? I started reading books about money, um, <laughs> I guess when I was like a teenager. And oh. I just, I came up to all of these books that talked about realigning your relationship with money. And think about it like this. We're brought up with these terms like money doesn't buy happiness. Money is mm-hmm. the root of all evil. Um, money doesn't grow on trees and all these very limiting beliefs. And yet, We all are hoping to acquire a bunch of it into our lives. Mm. So it's so interesting. And it's funny because it also relates to like the the relationship with your body that I've also struggled with where it's like we're saying things like, oh, I wish this was better. I wish that was better. But yet you want your body to take good care of you. Right. And you want it to make it so you don't get sick and to to do all these things for you. So you need to realign your relationship with these Mm. things because if you send mixed messages to these different entities in your life, it's really unhealthy. Mm-hmm. The dissonance is really unhealthy. And so I started to unpack my relationship with money, starting with my upbringing. Mm. And I realized that I had a fear of money. I was afraid of it. I was afraid because um, I always felt that people with a lot of money were greedy. And the only way to have a lot of money um, meant that you got it in some kind of sneaky, tricky, illegal Hmm. way or something. And that wealthy people were bad people. (laughs) And I don't know where I got that idea, but I think that a lot of us share that idea just because, you know, I don't know. I think it's very common. And I think a lot of us feel that if we acquired a lot of money, we would spend it on a yacht or we would spend it Mm. on a mansion and we would just be frivolous and throw money all around When in reality, like, if someone showed up right now and just handed me a briefcase of a million dollars, I wouldn't do any of that with it. Right. And what would you do with it? What would I do? Oh, no. I was like, what would I do with it? (laughs) I mean, 
there's so many things I could do with it. And the thing is, that's a good question to ask yeah. yourself. What would you do with it? Because a lot of us are like, I don't need money. I don't need money. I don't want mm-hmm. money because I don't, I can live simply and I don't need this and that's fine. Yeah. But think about it. If you made a lot of money, you could reallocate it right. to whatever you wanted. You right. could, you don't have to keep any of it. You could honestly just give it away to mm-hmm. people that you think could do great things with it right. or could, or who need it or who need a meal or who need mm-hmm. clothing or who need, you could literally be the bank of goodness mm-hmm. into the world. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, realigning my relationship as money has made me know my worth yeah, and has made me understand that money. Sometimes I just try not to think of it as money. I try to think of it as energy and frequency. And, um, the more energy I bring in, the more energy I can bring out. Um, the more I take in, the more generosity I can bring out. Mm-hmm. And so the more I receive, the more I can give. Mm-hmm. And, um, since I've realigned my relationship with money as something that's great and good and exciting and visual and wonderful, um, the more money I have brought in and the more money I've brought out, Mm -hmm. the more money I've been able to reallocate to things that mean a lot to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and the more time I've had to donate in terms of doing things pro bono to, um, communities that, um, I want to do free work for because it's a place that I think is worthy of it and, right. um, and needs it. Right. And, um, so yeah, that's a, a little bit about like the realigning of a relationship. So I urge everyone who's listening right now to think about maybe the agreements or the mantras you have about money and if they're serving you Yeah. and, um, think about what you think about rich people. And if you, and, and think about mm-hmm. when you say the words, I love money mm-hmm. and how that makes you feel. Cause a lot of us, it makes us feel like we want to throw up. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just energy. And the more you take in, the more you can give out. Mm. <clears throat> and I think in the context of, of equity, I, mean, I think it's easiest for us to speak to the art world. It's easiest for me to speak to the visual art world and the massive lack of equity. Yeah. I love your guidance and your, um, the way that you see the worth in others and, and the power of them seeing that themselves. And at the same time, and that's why it's like this both and conversation, mm. because we live in a capitalist system, which is naturally going to oppress people mm-hmm. and especially as artists because if you if we want to talk about well let me get to that in a second because of that we have to be in the dual conversation um, and particularly for the white artists listening you and I have to be in the dual conversation mm-hmm. of what it is to leverage privilege mm-hmm. within the financial structures and to reallocate like you were saying mm-hmm. um, those resources mm-hmm. And that's not to say that you're going to like make less money and you're going to be less successful and you have to give up every job. I do want to talk really tangibly about what it looks like or what it can look like to leverage privilege later. But it doesn't mean like you're squandering your future as an artist. Mm -hmm. It actually means a lot of healing, a lot of success Mm -hmm. and a lot more community, Mm -hmm. which really talk about happiness 
Yeah. That's the direction. That's happiness. Um, yeah. And and communal growth and communal success mm-hmm. is happiness. And so I do want to speak a bit about the inequities in the art world. And I'm going to speak from the visual art world because that's what I know the best. But what I always say to people is that if if the visual art world were a business like Amazon mm-hmm. or like what else is there? <laughs> Amazon is so massive. It just takes, Amazon. Over, takes over all the businesses. Amazon, Amazon, <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> okay, so if the art world were a business like Amazon, yeah. you have an HR department, you have a PR team, uh-huh. you have people that are checking your numbers for, and maybe Amazon's a bad example because they really pay people so horribly. Right. But if the numbers and the percentages and the wage gaps were within a system that we can all look at and see their numbers and hold them accountable Mm -hmm. and say, you literally, Mm -hmm. like the study found in New York a few years back, you in all of your fancy galleries have 0% indigenous female representation. Mm. That's a massive problem. Let's hold hold that company accountable. Right. But when it's like an entire industry. When it's an industry of a bunch of individuals working in pockets and different like little very separate galleries or or design firms or whatever it is, you don't have that kind of accountability. Mm -hmm. And nobody's looking at the numbers in that kind of broad scale and saying, oh, this doesn't make sense. And why are women getting paid, you know, 20% less over here and 30% less over here? Um, Speaking to that, Hyper Allergic, which is a big art, visual art blog, Mm -hmm. um, did this really interesting project years ago where they encouraged artists to look into the major galleries around the U.S. and make visual posters of their representation. Ooh. So they they mobilize all of these artists to, and they're all really unique. I I'll try and put the link in the notes for this yeah. um, this episode. But I'm sure it was really jarring. It's jarring, and it's continually at the minimum 30% female to 70% men, usually Mm. much greater of a divide. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't even take into account the racial disparities, which are- I'm sure that's even more jarring. Yeah. Uh, As or more jarring. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So what I love in pairing how the deep work with money that you've done with the wisdom that I've, gratefully been able to gain from good mentors in my life is that there is this incredible way we can know our worth as artists Mm -hmm. and if you fall into the categories of artists that have more access more privilege Mm -hmm. statistically you're going to be paid more for the job than somebody else Mm -hmm. there are really tangible things we can do to fight to even that playing field because it's a fight right um, yeah, it's like no kind of do some reflection and understand where you stand within that privilege spectrum. Yeah. Um, because it's so interesting to me because I think that, you know, with background and race and, and certain things that are cultural, um, you know, with my family, it was all about, especially with my dad's side of the family, it's like, you know, you make money to survive, to put food on the table. You make money 
to make sure that we can next week have the money to pay the bills. It wasn't about these let's let's have money to have lots of fancy enjoyable and leisure things that's not what it's about so sometimes when I feel I had to I had to really go into my brain and decide I was going to change my money goals or whatever my career goals my energy Mm. goals of surviving to Mm. thriving because my always my goal as an artist from day one was I want to make enough money to mm-hmm. survive as an artist, yeah. which I know many of you listening, that's your mantra. Yeah. I just want to make enough money to survive as an artist, to survive, to survive, to survive when I feel like we need to realign that to thrive. Yeah. And when it comes to the inequity and the privilege, thriving for one person mm-hmm. could be really actually helping yeah. others thrive and reallocating and redistributing and not even, it doesn't even have to be money redistribution. Mm. Do free consulting. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite thing that I saw a lot of folks who were in privileged situations during COVID. I saw people like, hey, Dang. here's some free consulting. I'll do free a free hour with you to talk to you about how you can um, make sure that you don't drown in this pandemic financially right. as an artist. Right. And that is incredible. Um if you're in a place of privilege, it doesn't mean you need to go start writing checks to everyone you know. You could volunteer your time. You could reallocate in some way. Um, share your network. Share your network. Offer connect people. people. Yeah. That to uh-huh. me. And see, um, see, I get really passionate about money, everyone. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> dancing in my chair. Because to me, money and energy, it's just all one and the same. When I do like a connecting email, like, hey, mm-hmm. Erica, oh my gosh, I yes. want to connect you with this person. I think you guys yeah. could work or you two, sorry, not guys, you two could work really well together. Yeah. That could turn into financial gain for Absolutely. one or both of those people. And that is not, that's energy. You're putting out good energy and that yeah. could turn into money energy. And that's empowering to me. And again, it's communal. Yeah. Like, it, I just think it always. Personally, I think it always comes back to right. like the more that your success brings up other people, yeah. that is that's where the happiness yeah. lies. That's where the happiness lies. And so, yeah. And so, I just shout out, especially to those of you, especially to those of you who come from minority backgrounds, mm-hmm. who come from families who worked really hard to just make ends meet, and it feels ridiculous mm-hmm. to thrive as an artist. I almost I had to go through this hurdle of like, is this insulting to my dad and how hard he freaking fucking worked his whole life to make it so that my family could survive in a studio apartment in New York City and to my mom like does this feel silly that I'm just going to make money off of art? This feels silly, even though they're incredibly supportive. Yeah, it's like a psychological thing that's buried in the back of your head where it's like, wow does this who am I to make money off of art Mm -hmm. when um when my ancestors made money in the fields Mm. when my ancestors worked so fucking hard for me to be where I am Mm -hmm. and I think it's just like realizing no they did that work to put you in the position that you're in now don't devalue yourself know your worth because that is actually what will make your ancestors proud because they worked their freaking tails off to get you to the world the position you're in now And I would say to those that are sitting with maybe more access and more privilege, Mm -hmm. um, 
is to own that to acknowledge it and not yeah. run from it yeah don't like hide your privilege no and if you come and you from can't privilege, hide it <laughs> and you know we all come from a level of privilege mm. i come from privilege maybe not to the level of privilege that erica does right. maybe not but we all come from a certain level of privilege and i think that that awareness is important yes I, okay. acknowledging it is the first step. acknowledging is the first step <laughs> and then you can leverage that into incredible things self-awareness as you are doing your learning and unlearning and and I I love the examples Ray throughout. I think like the possibilities to funneling money in different directions, to passing along opportunities that might not be right for you, yeah. but you still get offered them because of yeah. your privilege. Like I I just especially to the white visual artists out there because that is those are my people. Like we are offered things that are sometimes not for us often not for us mm -hmm. and there are great ways to build community and pass those around yeah um to yeah. so anyways i would just challenge those of you who are in a similar boat to me mm -hmm. um the struggle is real of like making it as an artist whatever but there are things you can acknowledge that um we have incredible access to yeah. that we can we can reallocate i love that i love that Yes. Can we talk about some like really tangible, what would be great to spend some time learning that will help us financially as artists? Like yeah. how to read a contract. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, oh, no. honestly, okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about contracts. I think if you, if anyone listening when it comes to contracts and money and, mm. and that kind of thing, get someone else to do mm. it unless you really are um, confident in your ability. Cause when you sign something, there's no going back on that. No. And so um, there are a ton of entertainment lawyers out there yeah. who will read a contract for you pro bono yeah. who will, especially if you're in a position where you can't afford it. I know it. They've come up to me and have offered mm. And the power of community, the power of social media. If you need someone to read a contract, DM me, yep. DM Erica, mm -hmm. DM someone out there who maybe you know has had a contract situation yep. and say, hey, I need someone to read this. Do you have any idea mm -hmm. um, if you have anyone out there who could help me? Right. Um, and that goes back to the reallocating of, of funds, yep. quote unquote. Yeah. Reallocating of resources. And because... Yep. The heart, the biggest heartbreak for me is when people who, um, anyone is taken advantage of because they sign something and then yeah. someone's, then their, their song or something explodes and they're making only a right. very small fraction of it because someone else was a bit, a bit sneaky about it. So right. contracts, be careful. There's um, also a great book out there called art slash work, artwork. Yeah. And, um, for me, that was because I think even if you went to school for art or yeah. for music or whatever, design, photography, often they don't teach us the basics of what it is to be making your own finances and self-employed. Mm -hmm. Like it's very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to yeah. be so complicated, but it's elusive. The language is really different. It's learning a whole new language around your money yeah. and around how to steward your money really right well off. yeah keep your receipts yeah. do your taxes do some bookkeeping right everyone out negotiating there? like yeah. negotiating oh okay <laughs> negotiating 
Um, here's a funny thing. Um, but here's a little, here's a little sneaky little uh, piece of Hello. Ray DIY advice. Before I had management and I was negotiating things, mm-hmm. I would just have like a management alias. Oh yeah, and I would have like a separate email account. Ooh, separate someone. emails yeah. next level. I separate will write email emails account. from my assistant. Yeah, sometimes I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll negotiate, and um, I know a lot of artists do this. Um, yeah. Because sometimes it's hard for people to negotiate with the artist, so they'll negotiate mm-hmm. with the quote-unquote manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it was like a real person. It was like my sister, but I wrote the emails. Cute, <laughs> amazing. Um, and so sometimes, if you need, if if it's really uncomfortable for you to negotiate, be sneaky. Yeah. No, I think that's wise. <laughs> that's something you can do. Um, you know, because sometimes it is hard to advocate for ourselves. Yeah. Maybe you need to step into a alter ego of yours that is good mm. at advocating for you and getting mm. and getting that negotiation also um be organized as much mm. as you can um i would encourage everyone to have a bookkeeping situation i use godaddy bookkeeping and mm. there's like self, quickbooks self-employed there's like yeah. all kinds of things like I that QuickBooks. yeah it costs like i think i pay like 15 bucks a month there mm. are uh free versions yeah I pay because I really like this database. It's like really easy to use. I find that if you pay a little bit of money, they are just a little easier to use, but there are tons of free options. Um, I think mint is a free option. Um, so get really organized with your money. I highly suggest to all artists to do that. Um, I think for me having goals, is really important. I visualize my um, financial goals every month. I put on a dry erase board how much money I want to make and how I'm going to do it. When she says a dry erase board, <laughs> she means 12 dry erase boards I mean, that like, cover her kitchen. <laughs> I'm like a mad scientist with my dry erase markers. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to post a photo of them. Oh my gosh. It's like so embarrassing. Whenever I've had people in my house, which is very rare because we're in a pandemic and it's usually those people in my very immediate yeah. circle. Except for Erica, because she's seen it all. Yeah. I'll, like, erase a bunch of stuff. Like, no <laughs> one can know. Which is a part of this money shame. Yeah. I am shameful. The fact that I, like, have these positive motivational quotes. Like, oh, my gosh. You can do it, Ray. You can make X amount of money this month. You can, like, book this amount of virtual oh shows. Gosh. You got it, Ray. You're a money queen. You're a superhero. <laughs> You're going to make a bunch of money and reallocate it to all the people who you want to empower. Yeah. You know, it's like, to me, that's embarrassing. Um, And it's funny because I've been totally shamed by other artists who Mm. will hear me talk about money and will be like, they'll be shocked by it. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I thought you like operated your, your career with such integrity. And I was like, Mm. excuse me, Mm. we can't value income and have integrity yeah. as artists because this is the only industry like artistic and create creativity that money is like oh like why would you get paid it for it because yeah. you love it yeah it's a service you're providing a service mm-hmm. you're providing a service like any other job and yeah. i think once you get to that place it's a lot easier to multiply um the money you have come in that's yeah. what i think yeah Whew. So healing our own relationship with money. How's your money healing going? Because I know it's like something that I push you into a lot. I was just going to wrap this up. I was going to say, I'm going to put the spotlight on Erica and be like. I literally was 
going to like <laughs> stop the trajectory of this conversation. Um, what does my healing look like? I think <clears throat> you, and not to like hype you up, but you're one of the closest people in my life. And, and, you know, it's been incredibly empowering to see how you move in the world and how you do such good with, with that confidence in your worth. Because I, like I've said from my family that they're so amazing, but the jobs that my parents have, have been significantly more stable than Mm. a typical artist job looks like and have a baseline of a certain income Mm. that um is dependable yeah and without that i haven't known what do i do like how what does generosity look like to me now because it is such a core value for me um when money can sometimes feel more scarce Mm -hmm. but you and and the things that i've been reading and investing time in over the last year have helped to redefine that worth and trust that like as I acknowledge my own worth and my the worth of what I make mm-hmm. um and even passing connections and mm-hmm. and um collaborating with people if I acknowledge the worth it's going to multiply and it's yeah. going to and that's been so it's been really healing for me yeah. because I I've been so afraid of money mm. and mystified by it yeah. um, as a maker. And I think we talked about in another episode, I can be really jealous of people's impact in the world. Mm-hmm. And my stint in law school a minute ago, I it came from a genuine place. And I still think I may go back at some time because I, I love that's an aspect of my life that... Um, I would love to explore more, but I do know that some of it was this will be stable and this I can leverage the crap out of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I can do the good things that I want to do and I'll be, you know, at least making a baseline of money that means I can really, really give. And so I've had to trust that I can do that here. Absolutely can. Yeah. You know, you absolutely can. And it's so funny because I think with COVID especially, this idea of stability and baseline yeah. is kind of out the window because everyone Oof. is in this. It's pe- all people, an illusion. People who thought they had incredibly yeah. stable jobs were furloughed or were let off or like yeah. laid off and have no stability. And right. people who were artists who <laughs> had no stability are actually more stable than others. Yeah. And so I think that that is maybe not to like start like, consulting you right now Erica or whatever (laughs) (laughs) but that could be like a a little bit of a a block for you where it's like okay this is impact this isn't yeah this is when I could leverage my privilege or obviously you already are but this would be like the ultimate leverage of my privilege and this is like the lesser leverage of my privilege but actually that is all just Erica you Mm -hmm. already are who you are and what you're meant to do and you're doing it and just to continue to do what you're doing and to continue multiplying what you're doing so that you can continue to reallocate and you can continue to give back, um, whether that's energetically in every way that you do already. Mm. And the only difference is that the more that you grow as an artist and the more money that you make, the more you can, yeah, it's just, it's just multiplication of energy. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm a, I'm a big, uh, advocate of that because 
I always say to, you know, I have a lot of friends, um, especially indigenous friends uh, or other brown friends who actually did grow up with a lot of privilege. They have this immense guilt spirals them into a depression or it spirals Mm. them into this feeling of unworthiness and i always tell those friends hey your privilege is your responsibility Hmm. what are you going to do with it your privilege is a gift your privilege Hmm. is an opportunity and you think that your privilege makes you unworthy but actually it gives you the opportunity to empower others with the energy that you've been given from a family member or whoever who got really lucky or obviously worked really hard for something. Now you're given that opportunity to spread that around. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard because sometimes that energy can turn into darkness Mm -hmm. very easily Mm -hmm. because any powerful energy can turn into really bright or really dark. And I think money is one of those things that we can turn into something really wonderful or something Mm. really dark. And, um, so I encourage everyone listening, if you come from privilege, um, to acknowledge your privilege. And by yeah. acknowledging your privilege, I think it's also be really mindful about the language you use around money when you do come from privilege. Um, I ha- have seen just, you know, using the words like, I'm so broke. Mm-hmm. Um when you come from a lot of privilege can be actually really hurtful to people yeah. who are struggling to make ends meet. Yeah. Um, and I think that throughout my life, I've been on both sides of that. I think I've used the term, oh my gosh, I'm so broke right now, when yeah. I actually was doing fine, making a lot of money as a waitress or a bartender. And then I've heard other people say it when I was really um, not in a good place and it's really hurt. So I think yeah. that knowing your privilege is a place um, around language that is really important yes. um, for a little PSA. Um, and, um, and yeah, just uh, know your worth, understand that you're amazing mm. and you can make money and then reallocate it if you want or you can do whatever you want with it mm-hmm. <laughs> you can do whatever you want yeah money Woo, money this will not be our last i know i was gonna money. say this is gonna have this is gonna be a lot a but nice this was fun to unpack it was <laughs> no i it's it's really good to talk about so thanks ray thanks for listening everyone And now for the Create Well Challenge of the Week. So this week's challenge is to write a two to three page journal entry about money. Talk about your relationship in the past, how you want to improve your relationship with it in the future, and maybe some agreements or things you thought about it that are no longer serving you. And maybe some dreams and goals you have with it. Thank you for journeying with us in creating well. If you're interested in supporting us, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash create well. Our Patreon followers will have exclusive access to monthly live Q&As, extra photo content, and giveaways. Thank you to our first patron executive producer, Susan Anderson Nelson. Our featured music artist this week is K-Bong, and this is his new song, in this together. I don't want to fight anymore. Can we 